All right, welcome back to the Shack and First Down Buffalo pregame show. Joined now by longtime Bills center and pro bowler, future Wall of Famer. If, in fact, the Wall of Fame is even a thing anymore. I, 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 don't even, I couldn't even tell you the last time a Wall of Famer even went up on that wall. And, and by the way, the, the stadium's coming down in a couple of years. Maybe that's why it, nothing's happened. Anyway, he's also the current, of course, uh, color analyst on Bills Radio. Eric Wood joins us now, good friend of the program. Eric, how you doing, man? Good to see you. I'm doing great. And I, I have not thought about that, that there hasn't been Wall of Famers recently. I know, um, I believe it was two years ago, they did the Thurman Thomas number retirement. That was the big deal. And that went up in the stadium last year because of COVID. That could have been a reason because there wasn't fans there. And then it was limited at the end of the season. And this year there hasn't been. And that's that's interesting you say that. I would imagine that they'll do something at the new stadium to honor those up there. But man, you kind of... Uh, crushed a dream of mine if they if they do away with that they can't there's no way they can do that it's 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 part of the the essence it's built in i mean 12th man ralph obviously the super bowl players and then players since then i mean Ruben should be up there. Mormon should be up there. You should be up there. And there's, I know there's guys, Freddie Jackson, probably. I know there's guys that miss Pitts, probably maybe. Uh, I mean, I know there's guys up there that certainly deserve it. And I'm I just, Williams. yeah, absolutely. And then, my favorite, and then my favorite, when I look up at the wall of fame, the thing that warms my heart only because I heard about it before I even noticed it was that Jim Kelly requested that they always put him next to Kent Hall. So even if they ever reconfigured it, he always wanted to be right by Ken. And to me, that just warms my heart. I know about that center quarterback relationship. I know how close that they were. And so every time I look up there to my left from the booth during the game, uh, it just warms my heart to see. Okay, you've been to a couple of Pro Bowls too. I mentioned that in, in the open. Uh, nine Pro Bowl snubs. I mean, is it a big deal or not? Or someplace in between for these guys? You know, it, it means something to you, honestly. And and especially for those guys that have been on the verge for a number of years, the Jordan Poirier's, the Micah Hyde's that have played at such a high level. Maybe for a Dawson Knox, he understands that he's so early in his career that, that that's likely coming with more publicity and success over time. Um, and then when you play tight end, you know, there's only one, two, there's two tight ends going. You got to assume one's Travis Kelsey. And so you're really fighting for one AFC spot every year. And, you know, for a Josh Allen, let's say, Josh is worried about wins. He wants to win a Super Bowl. He's been rewarded with that huge contract already. Yes, would he like to make a Pro Bowl? Of course. And will he likely be in based upon being an alternate? Sure. But um, I'll say this. For an offensive lineman, it means a tremendous amount because we don't get stats. And so if I didn't make a Pro Bowl, I would just always be former Buffalo Bill center. You make it to a Pro Bowl, all of a sudden you are former Pro Bowl center Eric Wood. So for an offensive lineman, so for and I say all that because for Deion Dawkins, that means a tremendous amount this year. And what a game. I mean, the highlights off the Atlanta game for him were remarkable. I mean, he was just blowing people. Okay, some of them were mismatches, but it doesn't matter. It's mano a mano. He was destroying people up and down the lines of scrimmage and even out on the outside, uh, making way for Devin Singletary. What a game he had, and he's certainly deserving. And I don't know if he was as deserving this year as he might have been a year ago, but who cares? Uh, he's in, and he's going, and good for him, for good for the snowman to be uh, to be representing with Diggs uh, in the Pro Bowl. Now, here's the other thing that I would maintain, uh, Eric, is that hopefully they won't be able to play in that game, right? I mean, hopefully they'll, they'll be working on something else uh, for a week to follow from that game, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. And that's always the goal. The goal would be to be nominated for the Pro Bowl and then not be able to play in it. Right. 
<laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about this team. Um, they've stacked wins here at the end of the season. How important is that? It's important. One, because they need it. And if they didn't start with that New England win and get rolling, and they, they wouldn't be able to win the division, it's big for this town to hopefully get the win against the Jets, host a playoff game. That's special in New York. It, it truly is. Um, I say in Western New York, that, that's a special deal to be hosting playoff games. It's funny that this team might be built for more uh, Southern weather uh, as maybe traditional Bills teams of the past, but uh, you got a quarterback that we've seen can throw in the elements. So you catch a team and let's say it's windy, it's cold, it's snowy. Well, this team is used to playing in those types of games. Now you face an Indy or a New England in week one. Could that play to their advantage? Maybe. But I'll tell you what, that crowd noise will be rocking and will play a factor. So it's important to stack those wins at the end of the season. Obviously, you want to be playing your best ball of the season late. And I feel like every year with Sean McDermott, even that 2018 team that didn't make the playoffs, even at, towards the end of the year, you started seeing some emergence. Uh, you started seeing some highlights from Josh Allen. Who was it? Robert Foster emerges a yeah, big time yeah. on the outside. So uh, Sean, the way Sean McDermott coaches and the way he is on a daily basis, it's all about the process. Get better each and every week. Learn from your losses. His teams are built to peak at the end of the season. Hey, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to the, this team in a second, but I was reminded uh, a few days ago about the anniversary of the end of the drought and the team that you were on and watching that Bengal Raven game. Take me back very quickly to that moment, you're in the locker room, you're watching the TVs in the locker room, you see what happens and know that the drought's over. Oh, it was unbelievable. You know, for me, I re-signed before that season when so many people thought we were tanking that year. I signed a contract extension before our third game of the preseason and we were trading guys away and I said, you know what, ultimately, even if it's not this year, I have to be here when the drought ends. I can't play my whole career with the Bills and not make the playoffs. So to be able to get it done that year, it was obviously dramatic fashion. But the group of guys we had to band together like that, um, you know, when it's a first-year coach, you trade away uh, Sammy Watkins, Ronald Darby, Marcel Darius. And, and to do all that and then make the playoffs was absolutely special. All right, let's go back to the current team. Um, it seems like everyone's been saying, and it, it's sensible, that everything's sort of changed for this team in the second half of the Tampa game. And then since then, they've been pretty rock solid. I bring that up because the second half of the Tampa game, the second half of the Atlanta game were super important for this team. Even though we didn't win the Tampa game, it still seemed like it set them off onto the uh, projection of winning three in a row, which they've done. So what happens in the locker room at halftime what are those second half adjustments like? What kind of things get said and then done? Well, NFL halftimes are pretty short. And so, you know, you go in there, you use the restroom, take a leak or whatever. You're trying to get some type of fuel in your body, whether it's um, some type of drink, some type of light snack, because you need fuel. You know, you, you eat four hours before the game and then you're trying to just kind of keep your energy up. So you're maybe getting a snack or whatever. And then likely it's your position coach coming and talking to the group as an offense will meet with the offensive coordinator here's kind of what we're looking at but it's not this big rah-rah halftime deal you know Sean McDermott will address the team before we go out but there's not a lot of time and you know you have coaches up in the booth that have to make their way down to the locker room they get together as a staff and then come and dress the guys so it's actually pretty quick there might be 
you know, I, I respect coaches who can make halftime adjustments, but it's generally not this big rah-rah. They weren't sitting in Tampa Bay banging on the lockers, banging their helmets uh, against the wall saying, we got to get this done. It's more, hey, what do we need to do schematically, maybe technique-wise? What are some like little changes that we can make? Obviously, we need to execute better. We need to get some stops on defense. We need to put some points on the board. How are we going to get that done? And, and what's it going to look like? Because I say maybe halftime adjustments are a little overstated, but every time you go to the sideline, there's adjustments being made. You know, you're meeting with the coaches that are down the field. People are calling down from upstairs from what they see. So there's constant adjustments throughout a game. Um, Your expertise, obviously, is on the offensive line. Ryan Bates gets inserted, and all of a sudden, the run game miraculously appears. Uh, And you could argue, now Ryan Bates was – a, uh, a guard in college, I think, at Penn State, but he has grown to, I'll say, tackle size, right? So you got him, Dawkins, Daryl Williams, and Spencer Brown. You could argue you have a center and four tackles on that offensive line, and maybe that's part of the reason why it's been so effective. I mean, would, could you argue that maybe Ryan Gates, what, you know, is like this gem that all of a sudden was found and showed up and plugged in, and now they, wow, this kid can play. Well, you never know what a guy can do till you put him in there officially. And he played well in the preseason. And it's funny, he's a guy that can play all five spots. So a guy like that has tremendous value. But at times, you might see him more valuable as a backup because you're only carrying seven, eight offensive linemen into a game. And he's a guy that could get you out of a game in a pinch really anywhere across the line. So you almost sometimes don't want to play those guys and risk those types of guys getting hurt unless they're going to bring tremendous value when they are inserted as a starter. Well, because of injury, he gets put in there at right guard to start the New England game, bumps over to left guard when Ike Butker gets hurt, and played really, really well. And from what I hear, his best position may be center, and that's where we got to see him throughout the preseason. But the book on Ryan Bates, from from talking to guys on the team, from talking to the coaches, because I never got to play with Ryan, is that he's smart, he's tough, and he can get the job done. And you know what? He's gaining confidence each and every week. I thought he played tremendous against New England in a really tough situation. You know, you're going in there, you're practicing all week to play right guard, and then after a quarter and a half, you flip the other side of the ball. That's harder than it seems. And that's a tough defense. A lot of people think that's the best defense in the league, and they got a good front. And so Ryan Bates showed up in a big way. They obviously gave him the opportunity to start again last week. He gets dinged up at the end of the game. Hopefully, Sean McDermott said he's day-to-day. Hopefully, he'll be back in the starting lineup because that seems to be a group that's gaining confidence. And when you talk about the run game improvement, I'll just jump on this for a second. I think this run game has improved for a couple reasons. One, they've dedicated um, more plays throughout the game. They've had more rush attempts lately. Josh Allen is, even if he's not always carrying it, there's that read option, there that read element of it where he holds a guy defensively. And then what they've done is basically singled out Devin Singletary. As you are running back, you're going to get all the carries unless you need a breather. And they use Zach Moss towards some in the second half last game. But Devin Singletary has become that guy, so he could get in a rhythm better throughout the game where coming into the season, they weren't sure who exactly that most effective running back was going to be. I don't know if, if it's just me or if you've noticed the same thing, but I feel like the Bills have run better in the past couple of weeks, largely in part because most of what they're doing is off tackle. Um, I'm seeing Singletary a lot of times getting some outside action where there now are creases and there are now blocks being executed on the outside of the pulling lineman, whether it's Mitch Morse 
one of the guards or the tackles, whatever, they're getting outside. They're mobile, they're athletic. They can make, make those blocks to the outside. Is that is that some of what you're seeing too? Yeah, and I, I think that's the strength of this offensive line, and I think it has been for the last couple of years. You know, this this especially when you look at Bates, Morris, what, how those tackles can run, they can get to the edge, they can get out there and pull. So I think that is more of their strength. I, I, I really like them. We call them the pin and pull schemes, whether those are toss cracks or handoffs where a guy will block down and someone will pull around them. Uh, they're really good at those. And then last game, uh, on one of Devin Singletary's long runs, I believe he had two 20-yard runs. On one of them was just a simple read option play. Josh Allen held the backside end. Uh, De- uh, Deion Dawkins washed down the three technique, the defensive tackle, and Devin Singletary runs right up the field. Well, that was a six-man box. I'm assuming if there was a safety in there, it probably would have went to a pass. But when they're going to respect the pass game of the Bills and you can reel off those 20-yard runs – now this offense becomes really tough to defend. For sure, you can't um, you can't pick a playoff game. But is there a team you'd prefer to play in the in the first round? I mean, it, as of right now, it looks like it's probably going to be New England at home. But if you could pick a team that you'd like to play in the first round, who would it be? From the research I've done, it looks like it's New England, Indy, or Vegas. If I could pick one of those three teams, it would be Vegas, yeah. and they're you know they're going to be the lowest you know, kind of seed and, and all that to it. And you're talking about a team that plays in a dome, plays out West. They'd have to travel across the country. They probably have a stronger pass game than running game, even though Jacob's good running back, but they probably have a better pass game. And so in the strength of you know, this Bill's defense is number one in the league in passing. And it's, it's not even that close in, in their pass defense. They're phenomenal. And that's without a consistent pass rush for a lot of the season. Usually when you see the number one pass defense in the league, they generally rank top 10 in sacks. Going into last week, we were 26 in the NFL in sacks. And this that just gives a credit to how good the secondary has been. Dane Jackson has come in and played well off the bench, replacing Tredavious White. So I would take them. I don't fear necessarily New England or Indy in that matchup. Uh, we have losses to each of them on the season, but we saw in not crazy conditions what we could do against New England. And then that Indianapolis game, if you don't turn the ball over, you don't let them just rely on running the football over and over and over. You play that game without Starla Tulele, without Tremaine Edmonds, without Harrison Phillips playing the way he is now. Maybe not Ed Oliver playing the way he is now. And so, um, you know, uh, all that being said, to answer your question, you know, give me Vegas. Okay, fair, fair enough. Um, and finally, and I, I jumped ahead, and we should never do this because there's always one game, one game at a time. But should we be, be at all concerned about the Jets, they played some pretty good football in the last six weeks, and they gave Tampa Bay a run for their money. Yeah, they're showing right now that under Coach Sala that they are going to keep playing hard at the end of the season. And, and I've played on teams that are eliminated from the playoffs like that, but you're playing for your job next year. You want to be a part of what they're building. They got a young quarterback. They dealt with crazy injuries in the preseason. Their pass rushers, Makai Becton, their franchise left tackle, all of them out for the season. And so when you look at what they're – potentially building in the future, assuming that Wilson develops into a franchise quarterback, then you want to be a part of that. So you're going to play hard. And so all that being said, you have to take this team serious. The Bills are a 16.5-point favorite, which is crazy. It's been crazy to me how many times this year this Bills team has been a two-touchdown favorite in a game. It's got to be more than any time in franchise history. It's truly unbelievable. But when this Bills team wins – they win big, and their point differential on the season is 
first in the league. Yeah, for sure. Um, finally, uh, so I did radio for the Bills, as you know, for a very long time, and I worked closely with uh, Alex Van Pelt and Mark Kelso, your predecessors, as color men on the broadcast. And uh, I'm sure if we were to ask them, they'd be very upset with you that you had a heater in the booth on Sunday. It's it's hilarious how big of a deal this has become. <laughs> but I, I'll tell you what, I feel like I proved myself. And if we can go back to the tape and they can prove that Kelso and the AVP played every single game in their career without sleeves like I did, <laughs> then they could give me crap. But if they didn't, if they wore sleeves for a game, then I have proved myself. And now that I stand there and call the game, and you know what? Last week was really cold, sub-20 degree temperatures for most of the game. But I'll tell you what, the previous two games with the wind in Carolina and then especially the wind in New England, that booth was freezing. Freezing. Yeah, for people don't, that don't know, your windows are open so you can capture the ambiance of the of the audience, uh, of the crowd, right? Um, maybe people don't know that, but the, you guys do that. The TV people do that uh, most of the time as well so that the, your mics can capture the sound of the crowd in addition to other crowd mics around the stadium. Yeah, and you feel more part of a game. That's right. You, know, you feel uh, you can capture some of the energy yourself as a broadcaster. When you're calling a game down in Miami and you're in the corner of the stadium, you're about five stories up, and you're in a booth that has glass in front of you, and you can't even hear the stadium at times, you don't even feel like you're a part of it. In Orchard Park, Orchard Park is one of the best booths in the league, if not the best. Some people like Chicago or New England a little better because it's lower. But for me... I, I love the chess match of football. Sometimes for me, it's hard to see what's going on schematically when you're too low in a stadium. Even if I'm attending a game as a fan, I like to be about midway up. In, in Heck, I'd rather be midway up and in, in not exactly midfield than too low and on the 50-yard line because I, I like to see how the plays develop. Yeah, for people that don't know, an, an, another experience we share was being in that New England booth, and it is low, and the fan, you can literally touch the fans outside of that booth. You could you could tap them on their head. They could pass you a beer and vice versa if you wanted to, right? I mean, did, did were, were you getting any, uh, any junk from the, the Pats fans when you were doing that game? It's funny. You get some dirty looks. And I was I was telling Murph, I said, man, if I, I don't know if those are season tickets. I'm assuming there's their season tickets right in front of us. Like, that's not where I would want to be right in front of the the <laughs> visiting team's radio broadcast. It's going to be the same people. It's going to be the visitors every single week. Yep. If if you're losing, they're going to be ultra enthusiastic right behind you. So we caught some dirty looks, but uh, that 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 honestly does make it pretty fun. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, listen, uh, happy belated new year and uh, continued success. Uh, real quick, plug your podcast for everybody. Yeah, it's called What's Next with Eric Wood. You can find it on all major podcast platforms. And we do uh, kind of long-form interviews. And we've had some incredible guests over the last year. It's continuing to grow like crazy, which is uh, humbling and an honor to me um, that, it, that it's done that. But it's been a ton of fun for me. Yeah, you've become a, a true media pro, man. I appreciate that. I'm trying to be like you, brother. <laughs> yeah, whatever, man. Thank you so much uh, for doing this. And uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, have a good call on Sunday, 425 against the Jets. All right. I appreciate it, man. Happy New Year. Go Bills. You got it. Go Bills. Here's Eric Wood. We'll return with members of the Mafia in the huddle from Sorrentino's on Main Street in Williamsville as the Shack and First Down Buffalo pregame show continues right after this. Awesome, dude.